0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Again, great to have you at New Church Live today. And we have a we have a really fun we have a really fun service ahead and it was, you know, I had this this service all set for, you know, usually I work like almost 6 weeks out that I start to get stuff together. And, uh, you know, had this wonderful service planned for you today. And then Eva's thing came and it was so good I had to scrap the whole thing and go back to ground zero. So we're having a service day. It's going to be based off of some of the things she said and maybe tries to, to pull it together because it was such a poignant event for so many of us. And what we're going to be looking at today is learning to forgive, moving from reacting to responding. Now, I want to show you a slide here. It just deals with these two words. Because I think these two words are so important. The reacting versus responding. There we go. The reacting versus responding. Could we say react together and respond? Now here's here's the difference, folks. Here's the difference between these two. So when we when we react to something, oftentimes that's sort of a feverish thing. It's it's not smooth. It's it's like Ugh. you know a little little like what Phil was saying. You know that's when we do we. We slam out the forgiveness letter and then we press send. Where instead, maybe there's a way we can respond. Now, now the difference—the difference between those two words. When you look at medicine, for example, when you look at medicine, we have a choice. Well, we don't have a choice. I should back up. I shouldn't say it that way. Imagine I'm a doctor and I give you medicine, and you call me and you say, "Doctor, I'm having a reaction. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing." What if instead you call and you say, doctor, I'm responding? It's a good thing. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, is that difference between reacting and responding. Now, reacting, we can we can look at just in a real light way. That gets to this New Yorker cartoon. I'll let you read the bottom there. Somebody pouring over, a, 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 pouring over photos. Oh, oh, not much. Just sitting here, shifting through an old scrapbook of past injustices and imagined slights. And I think we can do that. We have that scrapbook. We keep it together. We look through them again and again and again. But then there's responding. And I want to show you here four pictures, four pictures uh, that deal with Eva's life. So we have the reacting. And now what about the responding? Starts this, right? Just imagine a life that started this, then moves on to this. That's the selection platform she talked about. And, and it was interesting when we, were, when we were driving back with Eva, and uh, driving here with Eva from the airport, and, and she was talking about like, how she sort of gets her game face on, for lack of a better phrase, how she sort of gets ready to talk to people about the Holocaust. And she says what she always tries to remember is that selection platform. That's Dr. Mengele there on the right holding a cigarette on his chest. And this is where the sorting took place. And again, like, like just imagine you know a, a, tw- you know twin ten year old girls being separated away from their mother and the rest of their family, so she went from beautiful twin to this then to this that 's her and her sister there on the right when they were liberated by Soviet troops in one thousand nine hundred and forty five and then finally to this. How do you do that? How do you do that? You know, there were so many things that struck me just again and again. You know, I've listened to her talk a couple of times. Like, how do you do that? Now, now, it took her 50 years, granted. But, but isn't it interesting? I, I think we all want to live like that. Folks, if we had advertised a talk, if I had said, look, I want you to come and hear somebody who's really angry. They're going to talk to you for an hour about why they're angry, how justified they are in their anger, how they need to have vengeance, please come. Yeah. Would you come to that? <laughs> no, 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 you wouldn't. Why did we have so many people here to come, come here about this story? I mean, that's a big question. What was that secret dog whistle that went out all over? I mean, we had horrendous, none of you should have been here. And yet you braved incredibly horrible weather to make it here. And many, like like hundreds and hundreds of people were watching online. Probably if we totaled it up over this week, around a thousand people heard her speak here. That's amazing. And we have to ask, like, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And I think it kind of can boil back down to some real important things that, that we hold in our heart that we need to constantly be reminded of. I love the saying, many of you have heard me say this before, the best sermons are where we hear what we already know, but we hear it for the first time. We hear what we already know, and we hear it for the first time. And there was so much of what she did that that, that was that. And one of those things I, I think that that meant something to me and and sort of was like, yeah, this is part, I think, of what new church can capture. It's just even this simple idea of what sin is. Can we say the W word there? Sin is a wound. Hurts all kinds of people. Hurts people like Eva. Hurts the perpetrators. Hurts the world. Hurts everything. It's not a stain. I'm going to have you say the last word in the second sentence. So we need healing now that's a big difference between wound and stain wound and stain so if i look at if i look at sin and the wrong that's happening in the world and and i look at it from a wound i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to respond much better if it's a stain ah it can get into it can go to some pretty dark places I think about it this way. Just just imagine you have a big cut on your arm and somebody comes to you with a bandage or bleach. Which one do you want? (laughs) You know, of course we want the bandage. Of course we want to feel, understand, take part of, uh, engage in what that healing actually could be. And I really want to drive this home in, in talking about responding versus reacting. And, and I want to share with you a, a blog post from a dear friend of mine. He's a pastor out in Austin, Texas, Mac Frazier. And he wrote a beautiful blog post about having a man who's obviously homeless, struggling with addiction, showing up in his office. And I want you to kind of hear the undercurrents in here of of what it's like to really respond to really listen to really look at someone who's struggling and see it as a wound not as a stain so i'm going to move over here and want you to take a listen i had a long conversation with a stranger today so much pain he shared with me so much sadness and because it was a tale trolled through through a fog of a very active addiction, I could hear lies among his painful truths and forgave him silently for them. New Way Church is a small is in a small shopping center next to a bus stop, just down the road from a hospital. Drunks, drug addicts, homeless, hopeless people pass out, overdose, seize up, and get themselves injured in countless ways, and then wake up miles from their home in that hospital, from which they are summarily discharged. Often they find their way to our storefront church at all hours of the day. They're easily recognizable because they wear hospital bands and fresh bandages and stink of the booze they just bought at the little market store across the parking lot. I listen. I listen. I listen in part because there's nothing else I can do. They need so much that I cannot give them, and what I can offer is so very little. A granola bar, a human conversation, a hug, a prayer. And as the band comes out, listen to how this last part closes. I also listen because of this. I listen because I believe that is what angels do. And over time, I've discovered that listening is a precious gift to offer someone who has fallen so far that they have dropped right out of normal society altogether. I won't tell you all the details and specifics and what for of tonight's visitors, because those belong to him. I'm praying for him, and I hope he does the things he seems to know he needs to do. But I will share with you his final words to me, tossed over his shoulder as he left the church into the night. As he walked out the door, he said, I sure do wish I could see Jesus. I sure do wish he was real. My heart, my heart broke a little. I just said what I know to be true. Those things you talked of should never have happened. They were terrible. It breaks my heart that you experienced them. That's all I had, and he accepted it. So I'm telling you about this so I can tell myself about this, so I can just put this outside of myself and see it, and now I see it. There's so much evil in the world, grotesque, monstrous, vile evil. The things people do to other people sicken me. I've heard and seen so much evil I think I could be forgiven if I totally lost all faith and goodness in God and the future of humankind. But I haven't lost any of that. But I'm still pretty sad. Tonight, say a prayer for a man possibly named Joe. I hope he sees Jesus someday. I love that, folks, because just here in those words, the the gentleness of forgiveness, an awareness of the world, a gentleness of forgiveness, a gentleness of listening, and a powerful way, a powerful way to respond. What a great song, and, and that idea of forgiveness, and how do we do it? How do we do this thing that can feel so hard to do? New Church Theology says the challenge with evil is that it soaks up all malice. It soaks it up. And how is it that we learn to soak up something far differently? Moving from reacting to responding. And what does that actually look like? And what may be some stories in the Bible that can maybe give us some insight into that? So I want to share with you right now one story like like as I was thinking about it this is a story it it doesn't directly say forgiveness but it's but it's just it's imbued with the whole thing. And I realize we have a lot of people in the audience here we have first time attendees and and so I want to just give you a little background and it's about the Easter story you may not be familiar with it you may. And it's 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 a story uh, the Easter story is about, about when, when Christ is, is put to death, what happens is that he had sort of had annoyed the Romans to the point. He was, was subversive enough that they actually executed him. He said he was killed. He's killed on a cross. That's why a lot of Christians wear crosses. And and that 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 execution was, was just this horrendous thing. It was heartbreaking for so many people who had decided to follow him, who heard about this kingdom of peace and love and compassion, and they see it all fall away in just in just a matter of a few days. And what kind of changes the story is what in what, what Christians would call the resurrection, where, where Christ is seen alive again. And a lot of people don't believe He, you know, they're just they're living in disbelief and they see him alive, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. And it's just a simple message, and again, you want to hear more on this, come to our Easter series coming up. But just that, that, that simple message of hate does not have the last word. Hope and love, those are what actually have the last word. Hate doesn't, hope and love does so that's where we pick up this story now I need to set the context it's a beautiful context you know Christ had 12 people who followed him when they saw him when they saw him crucified when they saw him killed their obvious concern they're going to be next they run for the high hills they're hiding out and they're in this They're in this small they're going from place to place locking the doors absolutely terrified for their lives and that's where he shows back up to them and that's where we pick up this story Beautiful story. This is from John, the Gospel of John. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus said, so the other disciples, when the other disciples said, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the actual marks on his hands from the crucifixion, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side where he'd been stabbed, I will not believe it. That's why he's called Doubting Thomas, by the way. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And again, you can imagine, like, they are terrified. A gathering of these terrified people. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, we're going to put the words right up here. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I want to look at that last line there. Could we all say that last sentence together? Stop doubting and believe. Now I, we, we can look at that one way as sort of a a, a statement of faith, but, but what's interesting to me, like Christ pulls him to that point and he says, look, I, I need you to, to you know, you, you want to see the wounds. Here they are. You want to see where I was stabbed. Here it is. He Then he goes to that line. And what's what's fascinating to me, folks, like listen carefully to this. One of the things I always loved as an American history teacher was, was working with students to be really aware of what they read and what they didn't read. Isn't that interesting? What they read and what they didn't read. Because I think we could read this here and we could also read it as a beautiful testimony to forgiveness. This is how I think we could do that. Folks, imagine like the wounds you have in your life, right? Any wound you pick could be a physical scar, could be an emotional scar. It's interesting what happens here in this story. Christ doesn't come in and say, I got to show you something. I got to show you what they did to me. I know I got wicked guns, don't I? You know? You know, he he doesn't do that. And isn't it interesting too? Listen, 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 listen. Please listen. He doesn't take his scars to go and show the Romans. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't take it and go like, see, told you I'd be back from the dead. He doesn't go up to Thomas and say, see, you should have believed all along. It's a simple, I mean... It's it's almost so big I can't get words around it. He just simply acknowledges that the wound took place. A simple response. Not a reaction from anger, not a yeah you know, it wasn't like this big halftime speech where he gathers them all, shows them the wounds, gives them swords, and then says, Here we go, boys. It's not that at all. And you think about the doubts they would have been harboring in their mind. The doubts, the doubts of is love real? Is compassion real? Is there a hope for humanity? Is there a hope for me? And just in this very simple gesture, very simple gesture, Christ going, yes. And I picture Thomas touching those wounds, not as in like poking them, but just a gentle. Just like you would somebody who was hurt. A gentle touch. That's incredibly powerful way, I think, to see that story. And I think what it does is it sets up this dichotomy here, this beautiful dichotomy. Are we going to react from, or are we going to respond with A with A trust? Now now I, originally I had respond with trust. I, I'm leaving it a trust because I think the kind of trust we have may be very different. Each of us may have a different form of seeing that trust. So I, I want to leave it like more global. Because I, I do think that there are those events that are that are so hard. It's it's it, it just is hard, and trust will look different for different people at different times. I think I think Eva's response ten years out was very different than fifty years out from the event, obviously. And this is where you're going to actually help me to write this part of the sermon. Are you ready? What you're going to help me with is this. When you react from fear and move to responding with a trust, responding with trust, how do you know the difference? And you could use the word love there. You know, how to react from fear or respond with love. Like, how do you know the difference? I was thinking about that. Like, how do you know the difference? How do you know when, when you're coming from this or coming from that? And I could say stuff, but it's never as good as what you folks say. So what I would love to do is I'd love to have some people who would just like to volunteer and and say like, yeah, you know, this is where for me, this is where I know the difference between the two. This is where I know the difference between the two. Does that make sense? Okay. So brave souls, please raise your hands and I'm going to come around with a microphone and we want to hear what you have to say. All right, who are some brave souls? I think uh, most people, you ask them what is the opposite of love, and they say hate. But the opposite of love is fear. Jesus, many times in the gospel, will say, Do not fear, do not be afraid. So fear is the opposite of love. And when you love, you trust. So when we live in fear, we are reactive. Excellent. That's excellent. And that is, a lot of you have heard me say it before, number one command in the New Testament. Who else would like to share something on the difference between the two? Any brave souls out there? So when I think of this, <clears throat> I think of a, um, a physical, uh, where my physical being is. And when I react from fear... It's, it's, it feels like a closed heart. It feels tense versus responding with a trust where it's a calm, uh, openness. And, um, you know, I, I also think that, you know, we should start with, um, a positive intention first to make that much easier. I love that idea of a, of a closed heart, you know, and it, there's a, there's some great Bible passages that talk about, Lord, like, break my heart open. Now, I'm going to go over and pick on this half of the room because no one has said any... There we go. I knew I'd find somebody. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm reacting from fear when I'm trying to fix it or figure it out, and I'm in my head because it's where I know I'm limited. And when I'm responding with trust, it comes from... Willing to be in the moment with the uncomfortability. So, thanks. That's great, Allie. And and the idea that we don't, you know, how much can we fix? Like, fear, I've never been at my best when I'm filled with fear at fixing anything. Um, In responding with trust, I'm hoping that I'm going to take time to think about it before I act and to hopefully pray that the Lord can be with me in any kind of response, and It's interesting, you know, even the Pope, a couple weeks ago I was reading the Pope, the Pope said, the Pope said this, the Pope said he doesn't even trust his first reaction. Like, you'd think he's the Pope, he gets to trust whatever reaction he wants, but he's saying, "I don't trust your first reaction. You know, it's usually your second reaction that's actually going to be a little bit better. Um, I think I always feel scared when something hard happens, but what I think is really important to do is to still find the comfort with the fear, and that's having trust, because it's always scary. That's so good. And I love the word you use there, you know, still. You know, can we find that still part? Can we give everybody a round of applause? Who's brave enough? <laughs> that was beautiful, folks. Thank you for that. So when we look at that, responding versus reacting, you had some great perspectives out there. And... Um, you know, I, I think it's something we need to ask again and again and again. Like, how do I do that? I mean, it'd be a great conversation to have because you have the ability to respond with the trust. You have an ability to respond with love. And you have to see fear is, again, and I love the way it was set out there, you know, fear really actually is the enemy. When we're afraid, do we wound people all the time? You know, if you guys ever heard this, hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that? Hurt people hurt people. Wounded people, you know, they they wound other people. So, so we have to be able to to, to find that healing, to really go to that place as best we can, and it and it is about sharing. And yes, some of those sharings, some of those sharings of our physical and emotional wounds, some of those sharings of those physical and emotional wounds are important. This is a, a picture my wife took. My wife asked, you know, Eva, if she could she could see her tattoo. So Eva showed it to her up close. It, it's it's interesting, right? Like like even there, you know. Even there, like, like Eva is sharing this. She shared her story with us. Not to sort of rally the troops for vengeance. Not to sort of prove to us how hurt she was. Not to prove to us how wronged she was. But to simply share and then do this. Did, did anybody here get, a, get an autographed book by her? Anybody want to shout out, what did she autograph in the front outside of her name? She autographed forgive and heal. Forgive and heal. I think that's a beautiful thing. And listen to these words here. This is from Isaiah 6, and I think it speaks to this. It speaks to this th- th- This process. This is Isaiah 6, written you know, several centuries before Christ was even alive, several millennia before Christ was even alive. And, and this is what Isaiah 6 said. The people will see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Read that one more time. They will see with their eyes, hear with their ears. And this is a beautiful part, folks, here. Understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. I think that's what we're trying to do the best we can. Now that is beyond just one religion. That is a human thing. That is humanity. And, and religion can clearly support that. And, and re- each religion has a unique take on that. But they all have the same goal. They're going to the same place. This is what Eva shared about that. All people yearn to live free of the pain and burden of the past. If forgiveness is confined to one religion or any religion, then some people will not be able to have access to it. I think that's so important. At any time, like a faith believes that it has the one key to forgiveness, I think it's a mess. I think there's a lot of keys to forgiveness. And it's all going the same place. And we're the ones who can actually act and live into that. When we learn to move from reaction to responding. And, folks, it matters. It matters. I mean, I keep on coming back to that in this series, and I I, I want to continue to come back to it in this series. We have to keep talking about it because it matters to our future. It matters to our future. This is not just something great to do because you'll feel better. This is something to learn to do because this is the way we start to stake a beautiful claim to a reimagined future. Not just individually, but, but but as a world. We can start to do that, and it can be an incredibly beautiful thing. And we get to choose it. So I want to close again with those words from Isaiah. I want to close as well by saying thank you. Think about joining us next week. Next week, we're going to, we're going to pull all this stuff together and we're going to look at like, what does it finally come to a point? When we finally pull this all together. We've, we've worked on forgiveness and we can do this from love. We can release a relationship or renew a relationship. Release or renew. We're actually going to have a process next week where we do that. So thank you for being here. Please listen to these last words and then please join me in prayer. Isaiah 6. Lord, may they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Amen. Please join me in a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Help us, Lord, to find ways in which we can respond. Responding from love, trust, the word stillness. Respond from a stillness. Help us, Lord, to move to that place. Help us to fly away to that place, Lord. Help us to to, to allow that place to colonize itself in our hearts. Returning us to ourselves and returning us out there into a world so in need of this message of forgiveness. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, as always, for your presence among us this week. Be with us in the week ahead as we take to take these words and to live them. In your name we pray. Amen.